to another episode of Baggers Chat. My name is Mitch Pattinson, and as always, I'm joined by Ethan Daffy, and of course, we are reviewing the Carlton v Geelong game. Uh, we got over the Cats by eight points, the rating premiers, which is uh, quite fantastic to see. But um, first things first, Daffy boy, how are you? I'm good, mate. Uh, it's always great after a win, you know, watching the highlights 700 times over. Um, <laughs> you know, heading into the game, I just thought, there was something in the air, wasn't there, at the G? I think it was a bit of angst, a bit nervous. Everyone was a bit nervous, but I felt like we all thought we could get over the line, um, and they certainly did. And uh, honestly, it was a team effort. Uh, obviously, we got standout players that we'll touch on later, but um, as a team, it's just, you know, the pressure we put on them, they just didn't like it and um, made them panic a fair bit uh, with ball in hand, which was great to see. And it's just frustrating because we didn't say that last week. And honestly, we probably win the game round one if we have that showing, but... Good to bounce back. That shows maturity by uh, finally finishing off a close game, man. Yeah, and we did actually speak about it through the week how, I guess, like, if we actually show the intensity and kind of like in a way where if we actually put this into game day, we could really challenge the Cats. And we were kind of saying also about we've always been around Geelong. Like, as as we yeah. said, in 2020, we, we actually beat Geelong and... Last year, we like it was quite a it was it was quite like the Port Adelaide game last year. Like we were just never in it. Like yeah. this is in two thousand twenty one, I think the Port Adelaide game. But last year's game against Geelong was just like we were never in it. But yeah. it was never like a blowout as well. No. <laughs> so yeah. um yeah, like as you just said, I just think um it was good to see that intensity actually come into the game and stay with it the whole game as well. So that was always good to see. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Clear up my voice. <laughs> um, all right, so we'll move on now to the um, obviously the changes that um, that we so the last episode that we did the preview we were expecting George Hewitt to play. We know that there was an injury that was coming up with his hand, but we expected him to play, and of course he missed. So Corey Durden came in, and then about maybe two hours before the game, which was quite not really a surprise, Jack Martin uh, missed as well because of a calf complaint, and in came Mark Pitnett. So both of them made a huge impact. Corey Durden and Mark Pitnett, fantastic. I think, to me, they're both secure best 22 players. But Daffy Boy, what were your thoughts on their impact? Um, in particular, Durden, what do you think? Oh, mate, he's become one of my favourites, dudes. Oh, man. He's, good, old. Like, he's just the perfect small forward. He's, um, like I said, in the, I think it might have been the review of the last game that we kind of missed that at half forward sometimes that ball use. He just has that good ball use, doesn't he? And he's always at the fall of the ball for the and that goal he kicked. Well, I think I jumped up in the air and walked down. I reckon I ran down the stairs with the arms out like I kicked the goal myself. But no, honestly, like that type of stuff. Goals out of nothing, crumbing. Yeah. Um I thought all our smalls were great on the weekend, but particularly Dirds, I think he just provides that uh breakneck speed. But on on Pitto, you know, we all know how valuable he is. Um, he only had 50% game time, but he really, you know, allowed Teddy K to push hard when he was in the ruck and then give him a break, you know, because um, both those guys were better than their rucks because, you know, Stanley's, that's that's been their one, net, you know, weakness, I guess, the Cats over the last, you know, five, six years. They've never really had a genuine ruck. 
Uh, obviously, they won the flag last year, but it's probably not off the back of the Ruckman. So, um, yeah, Pitto, fantastic. Jeez, he's, I think he's hit out to advantage with, what was it, like 50, I think it was 53%. Mm. Mm. Nearly, so out of the 30 um, stoppages and clearances that he was in, like in the Ruck taps, so he's won about more than 17, 17 out of 30 hit outs were to advantage. So, yeah. absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And you mentioned there about how Mark Pittnett had 50% game time. Was that because he was underdone? Because we were speaking about it through the week about Pittnett has to play, doesn't he? But of course he wasn't picked. And you were saying that, well, it's because it has to be because he's underdone. If he is 100% fit, he plays. And yeah. I am and I completely agree. So do you reckon it is because he, Vossi was a little bit worried about Pittnett being a little bit underdone that he had to make sure that he got 50% game time? Or was it because he wanted to see TDK as the sole ruck, I mean, as the number one ruck, and Pittnett comes in as that second ruck? Yeah, I think it's more of that game management for Pitto, just to get into some games. Obviously, he missed round one, so and didn't really, well, he didn't play practice game, did he, at AFL level? So you, you kind of build him into it, and yeah, it's a big game to build yourself into, isn't it, against the Cats? So, but he did, he did well, and I just like the way they both went about it. They both, you know, we we talk about it, don't we, all the time, the ruck uh, situation, but they both bring different strengths. And um, Pitto was just taking some marks around the ground, really important mm. marks around the wing, the far wing, um, which was fantastic to see. And uh, it's just something about Pitto. He's got kind of cult hero uh, kind of feel about him, strength to that, didn't he? Uh, <laughs> Um, but uh, he was he was good, mate. Yeah, spot on. So we'll just move on to quickly just our initial thoughts. So I mean, obviously we played absolutely fantastic. You have to perform against the running premiers. Um, not sure if they were on their um A game yesterday, but I'm not sure, not too sure if we were either. Like no, we yeah. we had a little bit more to give. So yeah. I mean, obviously, if you give effort and intensity like that, you are 100 a chance to win the game and. There were a few players that like 100% could have performed better, but there there were other really important players that performed at the right time that yeah. made us get that A-point win. So initial thoughts, Dappy Boy, what do you think? Mate, that's that's what we base our game on last year, especially that pressure and hunger of the footy. You know, if one guy misses a tackle, there's another guy there. But there's no, nothing more motivating as a fan when you see your team laying tackles, is there really? Like, apart from kicking goals, is you know, pressure around the footy. You were locking in the ball inside 50 this week. Like, that was that was it. You get repeat stoppages in the forward 50. Our mids were, you know, tackling them, fighting for the clearance, you know, not letting it, you know, we might not have clean hands on it, but Cripps goes again and he goes yeah. again and he goes again and he goes yeah. again. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the stuff I want to see, you know. Obviously, you know, they're superstar players in their own right, different strengths and, you know, Chero's got a beautiful kick, but it's more about that hunger. You want that hunger. That's the base I want every single week. Yeah, you know, sometimes you might be a little bit off and you might lose a game, right? But if that intensity's there, you're always going to be up for the challenge, like you said. With a team like Geelong, you have to. There's no, there's no ifs, buts, or maybe's really. Obviously, they had Stewart out, but geez, we had Stewart and Walshy yeah. out, yeah. so you can't really touch on that much, can you? So, but for me, you know, the the courage of certain players too, man. Like Ollie Hollands in particular, we'll, we'll touch on more later, but. He's, he's done it twice, two weeks. He t- took on Tom Lynch there in the deep 50 in the first quarter of his AFL career. And then he, um, in front of Jeremy Cameron, jumped in the hole and punched. 
like that's just courage, man. It's his second game, and uh, it just shows as a unit now compared to years past that we're all together. There's a there's a togetherness. There's not five six blokes putting you know putting effort in and you know carrying the team for the victory. It's a twenty two man effort, and we saw that on uh, Friday, uh, Thursday night. Yeah, and like just there because I have some words written down that I think is kind of our brand. So what I wrote down is intensity, hunt, courage, dare, and heart. And yeah. I reckon a big part of that heart is Matt Owies. And yes. I reckon Matt Owies is almost one of those guys that might have to stay in. Because seriously, yes, seriously though, like yeah. Owies is one of those guys that he's not an absolute superstar, but he's a workhorse. Mm. He is like a Mark Pittenet where he is a, he's not he's not given all these superstar attributes that can make him an A-grade footballer, right? But he's a workhorse that if he keeps going, he can work towards an A-grade footballer. And yes. he formed on Thursday night. That is yep. a big game to step up in front of, I mean, it wasn't a big crowd, but it's a big game. It's against the reigning premiers, our first home game of the season. Matt yep. always stepped up. And yep. there's a like there's guys out there who, like, everyone, like, I mean, I kind of wanted to see Josh Honey early in the season, but... If Matt always is performing like that, you can't kick him out of the side. You can't. You're not going to be seeing Josh Honey. You won't be seeing Josh Honey if he's putting up performances like that. I think mm. you know. I thought you know. I thought Morlock was good, and he was worse small on yeah. the night. Yeah. He was good. <laughs> I thought Morlock was good. Like yeah. you know, that's a that's the problem we want to have um, selection wise. It's going to be a headache bringing Hewitt and Walshie in. To be honest with you, I don't know who the hell you drop out of that, but. Mm. Like you said with Owies, he gets the most out of himself. Yeah. And, um, you know, he cops a bit of flack here and there and he copped a bit from us last week. But Jesus Christ, he was he was dangerous on Thursday night. And he was – he just shows hard. He, you know, pumps the chest yeah. every time he kicks the goal. You know, it shows what it really means to him. And, um, you know, he's come from a different kind of background in terms of, you know, he's a basketball player and uh, didn't play football for too long in his younger years. But – Mate, three goals straight. He kicked an important run in the last quarter, yeah. which ultimately kind of it didn't seal the victory, but it, it just made it that little bit easier. And mm. um, he just his tackle pressure, he just his will to get it forward the other night was um, great to see. Mm. And like you just said, then how just just his intensity and his yeah. like pump of the chest, like he is the guy that you you, you kind of want to have around because if he gets yeah. up and about and and gives it to the crowd, gives it to the player, being like, let's go. That's when all the players actually start to rise up as well. And yep. another guy who like very much shows his heart every single week, but especially on Thursday night, was Charlie Kano. So the title is King Charlie Rocks, the MCG. Um, Charlie Kano finished with five goals with seven scoring shots as well. He kicked two behinds, but also nine marks. And his goal-kicking accuracy yep. has improved a shit ton. Like... You don't think it's, I don't think it was a massive issue, but I think it was more just his mental sort of approach to the set shot. That's really improved. And um, what did you think of Charlie's game? Do you reckon he was the um, the game changer, I guess? Or do you like, or do you see this every single week? Because five goals for Charlie, and he probably could have done a little bit more than that as well, is pretty scary. Yeah, mate, I honestly think, you know, behind, obviously, um, Jeremy Cameron, who I reckon has to get the three votes for mine, um, he, he's just a freak, man. Like, 
but like last year we saw it every week he'd go four goals, four goals, five goals, four goals. Like that's just what you get out of him every week. It's like, you know, back in the day with Favola, you just expect him to kick four. That's his minimum almost. Um and like you said, he could, he could have had more. He, if he kicked a couple in the last quarter, um, he could have had seven or seven or eight. He's the type of guy who could crack the 10 one day. Yeah. He, he had a big two halves. Um, but that goal he kicked from 50 where Ed kicked it to him oh. and he just played on and ran. Do you know the d- degree of difficulty on that kick? He, he can't, he's not looking at the goal. Yeah. He's, he, he, <laughs> he's not looking at the goal. He just, you know, obviously, you know, he's looking at, you know, moving around and he kicks a goal from 50. That is... You can't pull that off. Yeah. A normal player can't pull that off. And um, Jesus, man, he, he's, well, he's he's getting better and better. And honestly, he, he's got to be going for the Coleman. I think it'll be between him and uh, Cameron, to be honest. I think they're the two best boards in the comp, in my opinion. Um, yeah. Currently, in terms of just freak athletes, I think, yeah. you know, every time Charlie seems to be close to the ball, have the crowd, there's just some sort of like, you know, something's about to happen. Whether he doesn't mark the ball, gets the ground, he snaps it, or is something when the when Charlie's in a one on one, the whole crowd's yelling, you know, kick it to him. It just shows that kind of aura around um Charlie and um him and him and Harry work fantastically together, in my opinion. Yeah. Just very two different forwards. Obviously, yeah. that's perfect for us too. I think a lot of um, teams have two forwards that are very similar in a way. I think it was like Adelaide with Fogarty and and Tex Walk. Obviously, they're good in their own way, but they're kind of similar, aren't they, that big kind of uh, forwards. But, yeah, big Charlie, mate. He, he definitely rocked the MCG, mate. Mm. And because you just mentioned then about how Jeremy Cameron and Charlie Kerner are kind of similar. I'm checking now. So, Charlie Kerner is 194 centimetres. Jeremy Cameron is 196 centimetres. Yeah, so, they're exactly. both very, very similar. And... As you said, they're both freak athletes. So they are at, like they're not that two hundred and five key forward, genuine key yeah. forward. If they need to go up to the ground to get the football, they can. And Jeremy Cameron, like he finished with twenty five touches. Jeremy Cameron with six goals. Yeah, yeah. Like, that, like that is a that is a major asset for the Geelong Football Club, and also for us to have Charlie Kerno five goals, two, which yeah. as I said earlier, seven scoring shots, and he pretty much he shortly probably realistically should have gotten more scoring shots as well. So yeah. absolutely fantastic. And you mentioned there about Harry Mackay, because I just wanted to very quickly just touch on the improvement of game management. Okay. Yeah. In particular, yeah. what do you think was the change? I will just name these three things. And if you want to add on anything else, please do. But Harry Mackay in those last five minutes won us the game. And yeah. I don't know. I don't think anything else can change that because he's I think it was three or four marks I think it was maybe three he's yeah. three marks down the line you know I, I reckon that's exactly what they've been teach. I, I reckon that's exactly what they've been coaching through their week of game management yeah. you've got Harry McKay leaning at the football say if like Assad is marked it down the line kick it down the line and if Harry's got a miss like a mismatch he's got to mark it so that just slows down the time again and then Harry can then go back and then he can do it again Okay. Yeah. I just think that I mean, and and also those that type of football and that type of strategy wins you grand finals. It really does. If you have a key forward down the line that can do that in the precious yeah. stages, in the last final moments, that that wins you grand finals. And we haven't seen that before. We have never yeah. seen that type of game management from Carlton. We've seen it from from other sides, but we've never seen it from Carlton. So, Daff, what what were your thoughts on our game management? I thought it was absolutely sensational. What are your thoughts? 
Oh, no, fantastic. Uh, I think, you know, obviously you, you continue to learn from those heartbreaks of, you know, draws and one-point losses and stuff like that, which started to get frustrating, but you knew it was going to click. And we were saying it in the review of the Richmond game. I think it's, I said it was, it's going to click. It's going to come, you know. You just got to be patient and the patience is the most frustrating part of it all. But yeah, like you said, holy man, like this guy, he, he's a mismatch to anyone on the field though. Yeah. Like, <laughs> He gets his arms up, gets a bit of a leap going, and there's no one taking a mark ahead of him. No. no. Like, maybe, maybe a Ruckman, but honestly, he's probably beaten Reece Stanley or a Blixarves, and, and Reece Stanley was off the ground. So you've got to utilise that um, as well through game management. And he took he took one in front of the MCC members wing, and then he goes down the other wing and takes another one. Like, that, that's what I knew. I was like, that's a penny-dropping moment for not only him, but the football club yeah. in terms of winning games against good sides and closing it out. Like, you know, it's frustrating where we probably could have blown it out, in my opinion. The way the game was going, we could have broken open. But um, to be in that position against Geelong with, what, five minutes to go and you're only a goal and a half up, slowing down, but also not panicking. There's yeah. no need to panic. Obviously, there's a few times where, you, you know, we're all shitting ourselves. You know, there might be a missed kick or missed handball. That's football. That's football, people. But... You know, it was the matter of taking those marks and hitting the boundary, mm. hitting the boundary. You know, not 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 just blazing away, but having the you know everyone drift to the boundary, get a stoppage, repeat stoppage, head over again, force Geelong to win a stoppage, which they ended up do- doing with yeah. forty seconds to go with Jack Bowes, which I was extremely worried about. But then I saw Lewis Young, and um, the rest is history because that was a that was a another moment. Another penny dropping moment. That's a Lewis Young mark I can see in a prelim final. You know those, you know those marks where, yeah. I don't know. In, in the past, you see these big teams; they take these big marks. You know, it might be a rant for Richmond back in the day, or you know, just some, you know, a big ruckman taking a mark, and the whole crowd goes off. Because that moment, I was like, we've won the game. Mm. We've won the game, yeah. and honestly, we deserve it because the way you know our defense, man, like. Like, how good were they, mate? Yeah. They held up so well. And we're becoming one of the best back sixes in the competition currently because we're holding off these teams that can score a lot of goals, man. Like, Jeremy Cameron kicked six and we're still holding him off. Like, their other forwards had no impact on the game. Mm. You know, Tom Hawkins, Brad Close. Um, Stengel. Stengel had nothing. 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 Yeah. Gary Rowe, from the centre square, not sure what he did for the rest of the game. Yeah. So, honestly... Like you said, game management, superb. Yeah. And you mentioned there about how how I think the fans were panicking, but the players weren't. The most no, important weren't. people out there at the MCG weren't panicking. And that was the difference between last week. Last week, they were panicking. They were doing stupid yeah. kicks. They were switching. Mitch McGovern was trying to... Like, it, was just, it was just stuff where I was like, they're panicking, which makes us yeah. panic. Which yep. makes us like stress out. When we saw that, that Harry McKay and everyone was just like, "It's okay, it's okay." <laughs> we all like it. Like the players were just out there to actually, they actually looked like they knew what they were doing. They yep. weren't panicking, okay. And yep. and that was just fantastic. And I think that it, that I mean, as you said, that was when the penny dropped when Harry McKay marked that because we can really use that for future. Um, yeah. I guess moments because if we are in a really tough game, close game, and we need some game management, kick it long to Harry Mackay, kick it long to TDK. TDK yep. marked a great one as well. Like TDK, Charlie fantastic. Charlie, Charlie, yeah. Charlie as well. 
Yeah. There's so and, and and then also we had probably like a fourth forward down there, Jack Silvani, who also yeah. could mark a pretty good duke as well. So um absolutely well said. So we'll quickly move on now also to the small forwards because I think they need to very quickly um have a quick shout out. So we obviously touched on always and Motlop, but it will end but also Zach Fisher. So I'll yes. just, just go through the stats. So Zach Fisher finished with 19 disposals, three tackles, one goal. Matt always finished with 13, dis- 13 disposals, two tackles, three goals. Jesse Motlop finished with 12 disposals, one tackle, one goal. Corey Dern finished with eight disposals, five tackles, one sensational goal, but also three scoring shots. And if we saw those stats towards what the stats were last week, there's obviously a difference. And yeah. I think the biggest difference there is Zach fucking Fisher. He finished yes. seven disposals against Richmond. He got 19 on Thursday night. And it's, yep. as we always say about Zach Fisher and Lockie O'Brien, all these guys that we like, just crafty football. They create stuff. If they yep. see an inside target, they're going to lace him out on the chest. Just stuff like that where he is the type of guy where you kind of want the ball in his hands because you know that something's going to happen. And you didn't see that enough against Richmond. Because Zach Fisher, it's not like he gets a lot of touches and fucks them up. He actually gets no. the touches and actually creates, which yep. I think you just need to have him more. You need to have the ball more in his hands. And whether that was maybe George Hewitt being out, that Zach Fisher came in for that reason, that he kind of was playing a little bit more midfield time, I'm not too sure. But you still need to have him more. Uh, you need to have the ball more in his hands, in my opinion. But Daffy Boy, what were your thoughts on Zach Fisher and the rest of the for small forwards? Because fantastic, in my opinion. Yeah, on on Fisher, I thought he really, really struggled round one. I thought he was one of his worst kind of games. He, he's kind of known for that, isn't he? Though he, yeah. he kind of goes missing sometimes, but then he provi- and then he produces a game like that, which is um, fantastic. Nineteen touches, obviously, just under just shy of twenty, which is fantastic for a guy rotating into the midfield. Um, but like, he's got that X factor about him. You know what I mean? Like, he's got that left foot. It's a booming left foot when when he gets going. Um, cuts the angles. He just got a lot of the ball. And he was just there around the contest all the time, whether he wasn't getting the ball or not. You know, sometimes I feel like he's he. It's, it determines when to go and not to go. And the other night, he picked the right times. I felt like all the small forwards did pick the right times to when to crumb, you know, or when to go in the back. You know, there was certain, you know, like that's all we asked for against Richmond. We're having times that we get it to on the ground the other night, and it led to a goal. Because we just always picks it up and he just somehow throws a handball forward and Durden kicks a ripper. Yeah. That's off that's off crumbing. Yeah. That's off crumbing and simple crumbing. But yeah, Fisher superb. Um as we touched on, Matty Owies was he, he's the man. I um you know, he's he cops a lot, but I think he's a vital part of this team if he keeps that up. He's just got to keep it up. And you know, we're not expecting three goals every week. That's not my expectation, you know. It's more about that pressure and um you know, more team goals rather than individual goals. Um, Motlop, I thought he was better. Um, obviously, kicked that first goal, check side. Um, he, he, he's an interesting one, Jesse, because he's got that, he, what is he, 19? He's got that X factor, I think, similar to Durden. Um, he's just got to keep playing. If you get, get more games that are mature, he'll get better over time. And uh, Durds is probably my top five favourite players currently, just like the way he goes about it. You know, yeah. blokes are kicking. Those goals deserve games of football. Yeah, uh, for football club because that gets the crowd going, and I've, I reckon I've watched that replay about fifteen times with the crowd roaring. If you haven't yet, uh, give it a give it a watch because 
the mighty navy blue roar is uh, better than any other roar in the world. Yeah, absolutely spot on. And you said there about Owies. So Owies actually had seven score involvements. So yep. with also his three goals, he's also creating goals as well. He's creating scoring chances. And that it, like he's so important. I don't I don't know why he hasn't played more games of football. Because I mean, I, I think when he's gotten his chance, he's had, had those probably maybe four or five games in a row where he produces some good football, but not football like that. And yeah. once again, you speak about the preseason. Matt always probably has had a big preseason also because he's 26. Yeah. So he's now yeah. reaching that prime where yeah. if he can stay there. He can really shoot up and really make sure that he stays in this best 22, but might work towards being a, like one of the best forwards in small forwards in the comp, like nowhere near it now. But in a few years' time, if he keeps this up with this pressure, as you said about yep. Durden as well, we have so many small forwards now that we are the kind of Richmond of 2017 where we have these fleas that yep. in front of Harry Mackay and Charlie Kerno, these guys can really evolve because mm-hmm. if they can crush the pack and bring it, bring the ball to ground, you've got a Durden going in and an Owies and a Motlop and a Fisher, all these guys. So um, we'll just quickly just move on now also to the rug conversation. I think this needs to be talked about quickly. So we spoke about Pitnet earlier um, and and obviously TDK being the starting ruck. But just a quick question. Does two ruckmen work? I think it's a week-by-week thing, but I think a majority would work. I think we have to have them both in. Depending on the other team for mine too. I think we can – like on the weekend we stretched them out because they really had one ruckman and Blixarves probably and Radagalia too, but – Radicalia probably didn't want to go in the midfield because he just needs to stay under Mackay or um, Kerno. But yeah, two for mine, two for mine, Pato. That's it. I think it's a clear cut answer. Yeah, I that that's the thing I completely agree, and I think it needs to be like that because Teddy K is so dangerous up forward, also with his marking. Like he can really be that other, like the defender down there might have to go to a TDK, but then you leave yep. Charlie Kerno free. So yep. you got you just I just think you just need to play him. That's just my opinion. But I think you need to play Pitnet as the sole ruckman, TDK as the second ruck because we saw it at the start of the year how well it worked last year, yep. like how well it works. And then unfortunately, when Pitnet got injured, that's when TDK got um, actually was given the um, sole ruckman duty. But yep. I don't know. I just think that Pitnet was absolutely fantastic on the weekend. And I just think he needs to play. But Obviously, our last segment is we just need to touch on the new Blues, um, but also an old blue. So uh, we'll just go through Blake Hakers, 26 touches, eight marks, 4,485 metres gained. Crazy stats. Ollie Hollins, who we've touched on before, 20 touches, 15 pressure acts, 453 metres gained. Lockie Cowan, 12 touches, 223 metres gained. This kid is absolutely tough, man. He got, yep. he like, yeah. I was right in front of this when he got absolutely slung into the ground. His head yep. hit the floor, got straight back up. Like, nothing <laughs> happened. Like, nothing happened. And then this guy behind me was like, how tough is his kid? He's, he's 19. And I'm like, I look behind it, I'm like, it's just, it's nuts. It's actually nuts how tough he is. Also, Hollands, they're both yep. so tough. Um, and also Ed Kerner, who is an absolute workhorse. He's been an absolute um, champion of the club for many years now. But it's good to see him get some of the football and get some reward. And hopefully he can keep in his side. 26 touches, eight tackles, one goal. Absolutely fantastic. Daffy Boy, what were your thoughts? 
Yeah, Aker's superb. Um, you know, last week I thought he was solid, but Jesus, man, like he's almost best on for mine if Charlie didn't have the uh, five goals. He's, uh, mate, he's he's the perfect winger. And, you know, you look at him and Hollands, like last year we didn't have those two players in our side. And we've really, it's actually improved us and it's put pressure on both uh, LOB and Cottrell for their spots now. I just don't see yeah. them in the side right now. They're not in the side yeah. uh, with Akers and Hollands. With Akers, he's got that size about him like we talked about in the preseason. He's a different type of winger, but he goes back, takes these marks in the holes. That's all you want, mate. Go back. Fill in that hole for your, yeah. for your defenders. You know, you block the leads of Jeremy Cameron. You block the leads of Hawkins because you're in the hole and you're taking that mark. Um, his ball use is superb. If, if I'm not wrong, I think it was 88% efficiency, uh, which is enormous. He, he, I think he copped a lot of crap at Frio for his ball use, but I, I don't see it as a problem at all. Um, eight marks, um, which is enormous for a winger. Um, a lot of them were, a few of them were contested marks, obviously. Um, a few of those are when he's, you know, using that with the ground and, you know, getting cheaper touches, but that's what you want it for a winger. And obviously 500 metres game, which is fantastic. With Hollands, he's he's giving me Cade Simpson vibes, Pato. He's giving me Cade Simpson vibes. He's something about him. He's He ran 15.2 Ks. He was the most by 500 metres. He ran... Top speed, he, he ran 3.5 Ks at top speed. That's that is that is like a four-year player. This is a second gamer. His tank is ridiculous. Um, so 20 touches, 15 pressure acts, which is fantastic. Yeah. 450 metres gained. It's just touching on both wingers. Next week, you, you watch him or the week after when we're at the game, you know, Good Friday, whatever the next home game is, just watch every center stoppage, watch our wingers. Because I was watching them all night and they were doing the perfect thing. When that ball's in the middle, they let the big fellas do the work in the middle. Cripper and mm. Bam Bam, Sarah, right? They go straight out. They go straight out and their their men kept getting sucked in. I think it was um, Holmes and I, I, th- I think it might have been, who was on the other wing? Might have been a grind Myers on the other yeah. wing sometime. They'd go straight out to the wing. Yeah. Sit on the wing, stand on the wing to get that option, that next yeah. kick or the next handball. Um, and, and then their men get sucked in. That's why they got so much of the football. Yeah. Because they played on the width, like we've seen with our wingers even last year with Cottrell and O'Brien, which um, is fantastic. And Cowan, like you said, tough as old boots, mate. He is tough as old boots and he's only going to get better and better. And Ed Kerno, there's something about it, mate. When he kicked that goal, he, he is he is Carlton. Mm. He's Carlton. Ed Kerno and he deserves more games and he deserves to be in a successful team. He's been through shit. He's been through absolute shit, getting 30 touches a week, losing by 400 points a week. So um, he's enormous and he just plays to his strengths, doesn't he? Doesn't yeah. do it overly. He does a few Ed things, you know. Yeah. You know, keep the ball here and there. But that's what you get out of Ed, isn't yeah. it? That's what you get out of Ed. You know, yeah. he's that kind of frenetic, crazy, crazy bastard, but we love him. So it's good to see. Yeah, and I've like I just think that with Ed Kerno, when he kicked that goal, it was so so good to see everyone get around him. It really it really yeah. was because last year probably his first his first year really when he's had a full season with him being injured, like and yeah. and, and also not really being given that crack to really come into the side because he just wasn't up to it. And yeah. when, when we really needed him last season, he was injured. So yeah. it was just so good to see him actually. Look, I guess just look a little bit at home there. Like yeah. he didn't really look lost anymore. He, no, like, 
not at all. He just looked, he looked made to be there. And yep. Ed Kerno, we speak about how he probably could be a tagger, but he doesn't need to be a tagger when he's getting 26 touches. He doesn't need, yeah. he doesn't need to be a tagger. And mind you, eight tackles is insane for a, for a guy yeah. that doesn't play a lot of midfield. He wasn't in the midfield a lot there. He was playing yeah. sort of like that forward or that halfback or just that he wasn't really tagging much, but he was kind of, it wasn't much midfield because there just wasn't enough space for him, but he just really, when he got the ball, he just really looked like something was going to happen once again with Zach Fisher as well. Same thing with Fisher, just Ed Kerno was just trying to create thing, um, something, but very quickly dove to touch on the last thing, best player, pretty obvious, but who do you think? Uh, Charlie Kerno for mine, but second, close second, Blake Akers. Yeah, absolutely spot on. I completely agree. I wanted to go different, but I think it's pretty obvious that Charlie Kerno is the uh, the man of the match. So congrats to Kerno. And of course, congrats to, um, congrats to the Carlton Football Club. Absolutely fantastic. But um, now this will be our last preview for a while. I'm not sure if Daffy's going to go on forward to, to do some episodes on, um, on his own or he might even bring someone else back. I'm not too sure, but I'm leaving to America on the... Tuesday this week so I'll be gone for a bit I'll be gone for four weeks and I'll fly <laughs> out I'll fly back into Melbourne when um we play St Kilda so my flight I think it's like round yeah. six or seven yeah round six is when I fly out so I'm so I'm pretty much flying out when Carlton are playing St Kilda so hopefully I'll try and watch it but I'm not just sure but Daffy Boy is there anything else you want to touch on uh, hope the trip's all well, mate. Hopefully, uh, they make the trip better with Carlton winning because I think I think we will. I think we've got a massive opportunity in the next four or five weeks with these games we've got. We're probably heading in favourites for every single one, not talking ourselves up, but honestly, realistically, we are favourites in the next few games. I think the Giants will be a tough one. I think Kelly and that come back next week. Uh, they miss this week because of concussion, but they come back. So it's Perryman, Kelly, and someone else. I'm not sure another big name, but yeah. Um, yeah, then the Good Friday game, which will be very interesting, but it's always nervous against North Melbourne. But honestly, Pato, it's exciting, mate. We're in the swing of things and uh, we're still on top of the ladder currently as we film. Yeah. So it's good. Absolutely can't wait. Absolute pleasure, Duffy Boy, every single week. And as always, Duffy, up, up. the baggers. <laughs>